The next speaker is Stephen Ricks, who has a PhD from uh, Berkeley in California. He's professor of Hebrew and cognate learning at uh, BYU, and he works on the Book of Mormon Onomastica or Names Project, which is analyzing the uh, linguistics of Book of Mormon names. I, I want to say that Stephen is a very annoying person because uh, I went on a mission to Italy and he speaks Italian better than I do and he just learned it on the fly, right? So it's very annoying when he is so smart and learns the languages so fast and I have to work hard. And Anyway, he's uh, a great scholar and has done lots of work in uh, LDS scriptures and other related topics. So he'll now present on the covenant and temple in Psalm 105. It's good to be here. I'm very sorry and I have to apologize that uh, uh, attracting you to this presentation is a classic example of bait and switch. You were expecting that you were going to be hearing about Psalm 23 and the terrible questions. Uh, I have ended up uh, uh, making a presentation on a covenant and temple in Psalm 105. Um, if you care to ask for your money back, you'll probably need to, to settle up with the bill. At Temple, uh, Psalm 105, I've come to discover, is an example of not merely covenant making, but also of chiasmus. It further uh, provides uh, an example of the historical credo of the wilderness experience, both of which I will spend a few minutes talking about. Finally, last of all, I want to talk about uh, Psalm 105 as an example of the covenant. Uh, let's begin with a, a discussion of uh, Psalm 105 and, as an example of chiasmus. Uh, a chiasmus is a poetic form based on revert, reverse parallelism, often with a center point that is frequently found in the poetry of the ancient Near East. Uh, as an example of uh, a chiasmus that we find uh, in English uh, children's rhyme, we read this. Hickory dickory dock, uh, we see there uh, point A. B is the mouse ran out the clock, then we have the center point at C, the clock struck one, then B prime, the mouse ran down, and A prime, um, comparable to the first one, Hickory Dickory Dock. Uh, we continue to Psalm 124.7, which is an ancient Near Eastern example of this. Uh, a uh, is, uh, we are like a bird escaped from the fowler's trap. B is the trap broke, and we go back to A prime parallel to the A, and we escaped. We go on to a an example. Uh, trust me, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do the whole thing without it being utterly microscopic. This is one example of uh, chiasmus in uh, Alma 36 that has been so very well uh, studied by Jack Welch. 
we find at the beginning, my son, give ear to my words, say, keep the commandments, do as I have done, remembering the captivity. And we go on uh, to F, where we read, he surely did deliver them. We continue on to the a center point of this chiasmus, my limbs were paralyzed, fear of being in the presence of God, pains of a damned so harrowed up by the memories of sin. I remembered Jesus Christ, Son of God, and then we, we go backward. I cried, Jesus, Son of God, and then uh, we continue backward, harrowed up by the memory of sins, no more. And then uh, we have joy as exceeding as was the pain, parallel to pains of a damned soul, uh, long to be in the presence of God, uh, parallel to the fear of being in the presence of God, and uh, finally my limbs received their strength where before my limbs were paralyzed. Uh, as an example of a chiasmus in Psalm 105, there are three separate chiastic structures in, in 105. This is long, complicated. Trust me, it, it does check out. Uh, here we go. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wondrous acts. Niflaut. Uh, exult in his holy name. Let all who seek the Lord, Mavakshe Adonai, uh, uh, rejoice. And it goes forward to A, B, C, and then you have B, uh, B prime, uh, C prime. In fact, uh, uh, the Lord is before uh, seek, and then uh, his mighty works uh, uh, is right after that. And at the very end of it, uh, just before the end of it, uh, his wonders, we have the beginning of the second chiasmus. And uh, it, this one continues from verses 5 through 7, and it ends up in 7. But uh, verse 7, another chiastic structure begins, and it ends up in verse 10. We uh, continue from there to uh, look at Psalm 105 as an example of an historical credo. Uh, here we read in Deuteronomy, uh, which uh, what is a classic example of the historical credo, you shall then recite as follows before the Lord your God. Uh, here we get the credo, my father was a fugitive Aramean. Let me note the all, uh, all of the biblical citations come from the Jewish Publication Society version, which flows uh, quite nicely. Uh, he went down to Egypt with meager numbers and sojourned there, but there he became a great and populous nation. Uh, the um, Egyptians dealt harshly with us and oppressed us. They imposed heavy labor upon us. We cried to the Lord. The Lord freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand by an outstretched arm and awesome power. Uh, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, we proceed from there to uh, another example of the historical credo. When in times to come, your children ask you, what mean the decrees and rules that the Lord your God has enjoined upon you? And you should say, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. This is a classic uh, historical credo. And the Lord freed us from Egypt with a mighty uh, hand. 
we continue from there to the historical credo that we find in Psalm 105. They, the children of Israel, were few in number, a mere handful, sojourning there, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. He reproved kings on their account. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do not harm my prophets. We go from there to another very striking example of the historical credo in the Book of Mormon uh, in 1st Nephi uh, chapter 17 verses 25 through 27 where Nephi says to his uh, brothers now ye know that the children of Israel were in bondage and ye know that they were laden with tasks which were grievous to be borne Wherefore ye know that it must needs be a good thing for them that they should be brought out of bondage. Now ye know that, the, that Moses was commanded of the Lord to do that great work. And ye know that, uh, that by his words the, water, the waters of the Red Sea were divided hither and thither and they passed through on dry ground. Um, we uh, would like to uh, consider Psalm 105 as a covenant text. Let's note too the origin of uh, the word covenant in Hebrew, which is berit. It could quite possibly and arguably be derived from the Akkadian berit, which is a preposition meaning between or among, possibly parallel to the Hebrew bain, um, suggest, uh, which means between or among, suggesting mutuality of the covenant. Another plausible uh, etymology for the Hebrew berit covenant may be, again, from the Akkadian biritu, which means a clasp or fetter with which may be compared the Talmudic berit, suggesting a binding settlement. We continue on uh, to the covenant passage in Psalm 105, where we read, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are throughout the earth. And he is ever mindful of his covenants. The, the promise uh, he gave for a thousand generations uh, that he made with Abraham swore to Isaac and confirmed in a decree to Jacob for Israel as an eternal covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your allotted heritage. This might also argue, be argued as a part of the historical credo. Let's consider what the contents of the covenant are in ancient Israel. Among the uh, elements of the covenant uh, in ancient Israel are, are these. First, the preamble, which is an introduction of the participants in the covenant, a review of God's relations with uh, Israel. That is the background to the commandments or covenant. And, la uh, and third, the terms 
of the covenant or commandments, we continue to uh, some of the other elements, including the formal witness, which is the promise to obey the commandments by the people with blessings and curses, the consequences either of obedience to the commandments or disobedience to the commandments. Finally, reciting and the deposits of the, the covenant. Let's note uh, how the covenant pattern in ancient Israel works itself uh, out. Uh, by way of an example of preamble in uh, the um, book of Exodus we read in Moses chapter 19 verse 3 Moses went up to God the Lord called to him from the mountains saying thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and declare to the children of Israel and then as a parallel passage uh, that we find in Exodus chapter 20 we read God spoke all these words saying we continue on uh, in a review of God's relations with Israel, we read in Exodus 19.4, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. In Exodus uh, 20, verse 2, we read, I am the Lord your God who have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We continue on from there to the terms of the covenant, that is, the commandments that are given. In Exodus 19, 5 through 6, we read, there, Therefore, if you obey my, me faithfully and keep my covenant, uh, you shall be a treasured. Uh, indeed, all the earth is mine, but shall be uh, a kingdom of priests. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. And uh, in uh, Exodus 20 through uh, 3 through 19, as a part of the covenant making uh, pattern are the Ten Commandments. So we need to understand the Ten Commandments as a part of a covenant making ceremony. Uh, we continue on from there to the formal witness, a, a promise to obey the commandments. In uh, Exodus 19.8 we read, All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. We continue from there to blessings and curses. And uh, in this particular instance uh, in Exodus 23, we have... Um, uh, we have uh, this. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to, to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. Uh, in uh, the reciting and deposit of the covenant, we find the two passages in Exodus 19 and 20. There we read in 19 verse 7, Moses came and called for the elders of the people and put before them all that the Lord had commanded to him. And in uh, 24, Moses came up and wrote all the words of the Lord 
rose up early in the morning, built an altar onto the hill, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. We continue on from there to a wonderful example of the covenant pattern in the book of Moses in King Benjamin's address. This is also a, wonder, uh, a, a terrific example of an ancient Israelite pattern preserved in the Book of Mormon. This by way of preamble in Mosiah 2.9. These are the words which Benjamin spoke and caused to be written, saying, and uh, we read in uh, the review of God's relations with Israel, this that Benjamin says to the people, I, even, uh, even I myself, have labored with mine own hands that I might serve you and that you should not be laden with taxes and there should be nothing come upon you which was grievous to be born. And of these uh, things which I have spoken, you yourselves are witnesses this day. Uh, by way of the terms of the covenant we read in Mosiah 4, 9 through 10, believe in God. Believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. And now if you believe all these things, see that you do them. Uh, by way of formal witness, uh, the uh, people cried with one voice, to Benjamin saying, we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do his will and to be obedient to his commandments in all things that he shall command us all the remainder of our days. And uh, there are both blessings and curses in what we find in uh, King Benjamin's address. He says, it shall come to pass that whoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God, for he shall know the name by which he is called, for he shall be called by the name of Christ. And continuing, it shall come to pass that whoever shall not take upon him the name of Christ must be called by some other name. Therefore, he findeth himself on the left hand of God. In uh, the reciting and deposit of the covenant, we find these that uh, seem so uh, ordinary and uh, matter of fact, but in, in fact uh, are quite significant. Uh, we read in Mosiah 2.8, it came to pass that he began to speak to his people from the tower, and they could not all hear his voice because of the greatness of the multitude. Therefore, he caused the words which he spake, that the words that he spake should be written and uh, sent forth uh, among uh, those that were not under the sound of his voice, that they might also receive his words. So it was not simply so that people could hear, it was so that the a record of the uh, covenant-making ceremony could be retained. We go on to... Uh, Mosiah 6, verse 1, here we read, King Benjamin thought that it was expedient 
after uh, having finished speaking to the people that he should take the, uh, take the names of all those who had entered into a covenant with God to keep his commandments. So not only it's a record captive by uh, the words of the sermon being written down, but a record is also kept of the of those that have desired to enter into the covenant. We should note too that this, uh, uh, by the way, also um, uh, very interesting that we find in the sacrament prayers the uh, same uh, elements uh, that we have in the uh, covenant making, covenant renewal ceremony. Uh, by way of pre preamble, we have in the sacrament prayer on the bread, O God, the Eternal Father. And then uh, a part that we don't find, we ask the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. I'm guessing this uh, blessing and sanctifying this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it may be a, a blessing or curse that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy son, which probably is a review of uh, uh, relations that have gone on between God and his people hitherto. We have formal witness and witness unto thee, O God, the eternal Father. And then we have the terms of the covenant that they are willing to take upon them, the name of thy son. And again, uh, by way of uh, terms of the covenant plus preceding history, and always remember him, and uh, so forth. We. Uh, we continue with this uh, again with terms of the covenant to keep his commandments which he hath given them and uh, then uh, in, in the way of blessings and curses no curse here just a blessing that they may always have his spirit to be with them and that's basically it now by way of uh, a very brief conclusion uh, the presence of the temple magnifies the sacredness of acts performed there or texts read there. Uh, as one modern example of this, we note uh, the uh, dedication of the Brigham City Temple that will uh, take place tomorrow. The temple is considered sufficiently sacred that those individuals that are going to be participating by attending in various buildings across Utah will need to have been uh, properly prepared. And even if they are some, uh, somewhat underage, they will need to get something in the order of a temple recommend. We continue uh, from there. Um, uh, the temple is the place where psalms were recited. And finally, covenant making, as well as covenant renewal, uh, occur at the, the temple. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen.